Hey everyone, my interview today is with Norman Plotkin. Norman changed his life after cancer and eventually became a hypnotherapist. We talk about what happened to lead him to where he is right now, seven empowering things to do when you have cancer. He's written a book about this, so he knows some stuff, you guys. Various emotional links to diseases and conditions and the mind's urge for emotional homeostasis, meaning the mind wants to keep certain things going and feels good when it feels at peace. So I hope you really enjoy this interview. I myself am a hypnotherapist who works all over the world, an entrepreneur, a mom, all that good stuff. You can see more about me and get some free hypnosis files over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com. Let's jump into our interview. Hi, Norman. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. I love talking to other hypnotherapists and hearing their personal stories and how hypnotherapy helped them heal as well as other people. So I'm happy to jump into this with you this morning. Me too. I love what I do and I I found my way to this later in life. And I, um, if ever someone could find their way to their soul's purpose, I I feel like I did. Wow. Wow. What did you do before? I worked in state government uh, for 10 years and then for 15 years was a lobbyist. Really? Wow. Yeah. That is quite a different profession than hypnotherapy. I, I like to refer to it as persuasion of a different sort. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have a, a good friend who's a lobbyist and um. I think my perception about it was a little bit different before he became one because he's really lobbying for services for underprivileged children for like free school lunches, basically, and getting all the schools set up and, and keeping the funding going for that. So, what yeah, I mean, there's, it's, uh, you know, um, it is, there are common misperceptions. I mean, state government is about who gets what, when, where, why, and how, and, if you need something from state government and don't have an advocate in the state capital, you're going to go hungry. Yeah. Um, I lobbied for the medical association, the physicians. There's 30 at the time there were 30,000 physicians um, in California, and uh, and there were continual scope of practice battles. You know, the podiatrists wanted to operate above the ankle, and the the psychologists wanted to prescribe and you know, there was, there were always these, these battles going on. And of course the uh, health maintenance organizations wanted to limit the physician's ability to communicate with their patients and yeah. have utilization review that was, you know, undertaken by someone with less education than the physician telling them what they, you know, the physicians, what they could and couldn't prescribe or, uh, you know, yes. And so, um, but then I went out on my own and I represented automotive electricity and, and petroleum interests. So the, you know, the kind of the, the, the typical thing that people think, although I had small oil against big oil, I had, I represented the California uh, independent petroleum association. Some of these wildcatters are doing two and three barrels a day. You know what I mean? So uh -huh. it was mom and pop things. And then uh, electricity service providers against the monopoly utilities who are very powerful. And then, yes. And, and I represented the automotive aftermarket against the big car companies. So, so it was a bit of, you know, 
uh, it was a bit of underdog, even though they were in uh, uh, industries that uh, are mature and, mm-hmm. and well-developed, but fascinating. I'm sure you have yeah. so many stories from that, from that era of your life, but how, yeah. how old were you when you became a hypnotherapist? Um, let's see, uh, 51. Whoa, really? And, and what happened? So I, I know some about your story that you did get cancer. Were you a hypnotherapist before, or this was the path that led you to be one? It was the path. The, the, the cancer was my shamanic healing crisis. Um, I loved the public policy. I loved uh, the strategy, but the politics. Even though I I had to know it, and I and I ha- and I did. I ran campaigns for a while, just to know to understand that part of it, how the legislators got there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very sophomoric. It's very juvenile. I mean, they, you know, the leadership places two people who hate each other right next to each other just to watch them fight. And you know, if you if you if you disobey the leadership, they, they make you move your office and all your staff into the broom closet. And it's just, it's just, you know, there's lots of little examples of that. People are very petty and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and then, and then everybody's got an opinion about it. Right. So when I was the committee consultant to the health committee, I, I would uh, continually query people out in the real world. You know, I mean, I'd be riding the chairlift skiing and say, do you have an HMO? What do you, what do you think about your healthcare? Uh-huh. <laughs> just, you know, and I would just ask questions about, you know, from real people and regular people, but everybody had a, an opinion about politics and, and I, absolutely. You know, it, just, it was just very difficult. It was very difficult. And so I, um, I ended up, I got sick and, you know, it was papillary carcinoma, which was thyroid cancer. Mm-hmm. So it was my throat chakra. See, I, yeah. I didn't speak for myself. I didn't have my authentic voice. I spoke for others. I wasn't allowed to write a letter to the editor. It might, uh-huh. you know, bear poorly on my clients. Yeah. So, um, so my throat chakra was blocked, and and I, at the time, I was kind of happy to finally get to. You know, they measured the the nodule on my thyroid uh, every three months for two years. Wow. The first doctor to tell me I had cancer was the surgeon who needed informed consent in order to remove my thyroid. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of relieved to, for that I had an explanation for why I was so flat footed. I mean, I, the thyroid controls everything. And I, I just, I, I didn't like, I didn't want to play hockey anymore. I couldn't keep up. I yeah. My, I didn't want to ride my mountain bike. I didn't, all these things, you know, depression was a part of it. And yeah, people and, don't realize a lot of plantar fasciitis is due to the thyroid. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah thyroid it controls controls everything. And so I was this little wiry guy that bounced off the walls, you know, my whole life. And suddenly I've got let, you know, concrete galoshes. And I, and so, um, yeah, they call concrete legs is what they yeah. often call them in the thyroid world. Yeah. Concrete yeah. legs. You feel like you can't move your legs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was relieved to finally get an, an, uh, an explanation for why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And then, uh, but I was a little, you know, I was a little put off by the fact that I, it took me four doctors in, you know, before they would actually say the C word. Uh-huh. Uh, but I dutifully went where I was told, and you know, it's, I was just gonna beat this thing, and and so because I wanted to air quotes get back to normal, mm-hmm. and the problem was uh, it came back because normal was what made me sick. 
So mm. I had to find a new normal. And the, the joke, because my name is Norm, you know, my family uh, called me normal since I was a little kid. Because <laughs> when I was three, my cousin Willie said, hey, normal. I said, I'm not normal. Right? So, uh, <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So uh, when Young Frankenstein came out, my friends called me Abby Normal. But um, <laughs> so the normal was what made me sick. And so I, so I, I had a friend who had gotten out of politics and she opened a yoga studio and she taught me to meditate and to breathe and to, mm -hmm. and to, I did yoga and Pilates to get my strength back. Cause two rounds of radiation, I was just emaciated and, yeah and um, just completely out of my body. And, and, you know, my marriage didn't survive that it, it's, you know, it's always very, very complicated. It is. Yes. Um, and so I, uh, I began to look at the world differently and teachers began to appear. I read books like Wayne Dyer's The Power of Intention, mm -hmm. uh, Carol Mises' Anatomy of the Spirit, uh, Deepak Chopra's Quantum Healing. And um, a friend suggested I go to a Hay House conference in Pasadena in 2015. Mm -hmm. And I went and I saw all of those and speak and more, Joe Dispenza. Um, yeah, I love Joe Dispenza. Yeah, Greg Braden, uh, Brian Weiss, Dr. Brian Weiss. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw all these folks speak and I interacted with them and I just, um, I mean, funny story. I, I, the, the person who had recommended I go that she was a, a psychic because I had these experience. I've experienced all the Claire's, Claire audience, Claire Augustus, Claire Voyance, and I didn't know what to do with it. I, I've been sensitive all my life, but you know, Listen, I was raised on a ranch and I went in the Marine Corps. I worked in the oil fields before college. Wow. Men, men don't expect, you know, intuition is the realm of women. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And so I didn't, I didn't understand my gifts. It often created conflict because I would know people. <laughs> I would know what was on their minds and, and it made them uncomfortable. So uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you what you mean by the, the clairvoyant experiences. Like, how did it come oh, uh, to you? Oh, I see. I hear. I taste. I smell. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, one times I, I was eulogizing a friend who was killed, and um, I didn't realize I was going to have to speak. But it, I had a four-hour drive to to get back home, and I was thinking about him. And I came up with three uh, scenarios to support the the premise that he was a sweet guy, which was, you know, he was tough. Mm -hmm. he was, and had been in the army, worked in construction, but those who knew him knew he was a sweet guy. And as I, as I gave the three examples and then brought it around to the unifying theme of him being a sweet guy and people were crying and, you know, I got a sweet taste in my mouth. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. yeah that's an example. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen scenarios. I see things, I know things. So, huh. so I was seeing the psychic to try and understand what, you know, what was going on with, and she was the one who sent me to the conference. Uh, okay. Yeah. To the conference. And then, uh, and then she was teaching me about the archangels and what the, what each of them represent and how mm -hmm. you can call on them and ascended masters and, uh, your higher self to, to, for help and whatnot. And, um, and so I, I was trying to make this transition, um, from, I, I had moved to LA to move away from kind of the drama of the, you know, the, the, the divorce and whatnot. And, um, and so I had taken a job as the executive director of a trade association was very, which was very much like what I'd been doing for the last 25 years, I, you know, board relations and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that type of stuff. So 
uh, and they didn't renew my contract after a year. So I'm like, now what? I'm, so I'm really searching about what I'm supposed to do. And after reading Wayne Dyer's The Power of Intention, mm-hmm. I I want I I realized that what I wanted to do was put myself into the service of others. And mm-hmm. in doing so, the, my life would just fall into place, right? It's it, it's and did it? We white knuckle, we white knuckle, and we worry about and fret about this, that, and the other thing. But if we just put ourselves into service, things tend to fall into place. So. So I wrote a letter to Archangel Michael. Dear Archangel Michael, it's Norm here. You know I have mad skills. People have paid me millions of dollars, mm-hmm. but I don't want to serve corporations and politicians. I want to serve regular people. So please, but I don't know how. Please direct me so that I might be in service to others. Very mm-hmm. truly yours, Norman Plotkin took it in the backyard and burned it and gave it to the universe. Got it. And then I went back inside into my darkened bedroom and I sat in the middle of my bed. And I did Japa meditation for 15 minutes. Um, Namanarayana, um, Namanarayana, um, Namanarayana. Okay, thank you. Because I was like, I wasn't familiar with Japa meditation. So that's a good example. Good. Yep. And so that's the mantra. It's one of many mantras. Japa meditation is a mantra and you say them so many times. And sometimes they count them with the beads, you know, Mm -hmm. you know how many you've done. Anyway, I did it for 15 minutes and my chest was resonating and, and, um, and then there's a cool down period. So you sit and you're quiet and still with your eyes closed after you've chanted. And the most powerful energetic presence I've ever experienced came down the darkened hall through the closed door and stood next to me. And at first I'm like terrified. And then I was made to know not to be terrified, not to even be afraid. Mm-hmm. And that everything was going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. And Wonderful. I settled into that for a second. And then just as soon as it had arrived, it was gone. And I opened my eyes and I looked around and I'm like, wow. So I called my psychic friend, Laura, and I said, Laura, you won't believe it. And I told her the story mm-hmm. as I just told you. And she said, wait a minute, you wrote a letter to Archangel Michael, then you did Java meditation and the most powerful energetic force you've ever experienced showed up and you don't know who it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. With, within a week. Within a week, I was directed to go to this. There's some nationally accredited college of hypnotherapy in Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. And I was guided to go there. I, I knew someone who knew someone had gone there. We had dinner. Mm-hmm. Asked, I asked questions. And without ever having been hypnotized. Well, you know, formally. Right. Go, yeah. <laughs> if you're having clairvoyant experiences, you're in a hypnotic yeah. trance for sure. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. So without ever having been formally hypnotized by a hypnotherapist, I signed up for this school 18 months and wow residency and and so uh but but you see when you're divinely guided Mm -hmm. there are no you don't question you just you just do and it's taken me you know i had to i had to straddle two worlds for a while i I covered 16 western states for a former client you know and so i was in state capitals representing an automotive aftermarket company. Mm-hmm. And I was doing hypnosis on the shoulders, you know, nights, weekends, mm-hmm. uh, uh, because it was a remote position. I could, I could sneak one or two in during the day um, if I wasn't engaged in something. So. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Then, then I wrote my first book and went to work as a acquisition editor for my publisher. And what's an acquisition editor. Uh, I read book proposals oh, and, got and it. interviewed interviewed potential authors and um, 
have and you had never done that before? You just sort of looked into it. Well, I, I went through Lux, I went quote through, unquote. <laughs> yeah, I I've been writing all my adult life, but I tried three years to write my book and couldn't get anywhere because <clears throat> when it's yours, it's it's hard. You know, I was never allowed to be in my writing before, mm-hmm. and so this was about my cancer experience and how I might share what I learned with others so it could ease their burden because cancer, when you're in it, it's a, it's an awful thing. It is. So that's and, your first book is take charge of your cancer. Correct. Okay. And so what I did was I, I uh, joined the author incubator because um, I couldn't get it. I couldn't, I hated everything I was writing. And, and so with a coach, I learned why I felt that way. And I had a 90 day schedule and, you know, mm-hmm. every, every Monday I had 10,000 words do. And so, mm-hmm. um, so that accountability while also understanding author flow state and, mm-hmm. and why we have writer's block and um, all of these things and how to organize the book and um, uh, how to make it meaningful others to others, how to create an avatar. Mm-hmm. And so that your ideal reader is feeling the love that, with which you wrote the book. Yes. And so, um, so I got, I knocked it out, the, the manuscript in 90 days. And then of course there was editing and, mm-hmm. and uh, artwork and all these other things. But, um, but then, then, you know, I got picked up by Morgan James, a New York publisher. And, uh, and so my a lifelong dream came true. Plus it was, and I, I had thought about coaching and using hypnos- hypnotherapy with cancer clients. Cause I'm certified in hypnotherapy for cancer clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just really difficult to when people are in the middle of it, they're not they're not thinking, you know, they're really not. not. Yeah, they're not thinking. Yeah. I mean, it's they just want to be told where to go. And it, they're in they're in trance. They're they're, um, you know, triggered by past traumas and yes, and um, not not sure who to believe. And there's a, there's overwhelming information. And so there is, anyway, so. Yeah. I put it out there. It's the seven proven steps to healing and recovery. I didn't make any of these up. They're the ones I stumbled on, mm-hmm. the ones I found my way to. And they are seven empowering things that you can do because getting a second opinion and uh, going where you're told to go, is it's not empowering. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's could you, sh- could you share one or two with us? I'll share all seven. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Radically change your diet, mm-hmm. deepen your spirituality, learn to meditate. Commune with your subconscious mind with hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, take charge because you're the one, you're the one with the most skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, release your repressed emotions. Holding on to stuff in the past is a burden that's too high for anyone. And finally, have a reason to live. Don't just not want to die. Mm, yes. Yeah. Beautiful. I see. Like the there's a couple of those. I think that people may struggle with in terms of meditation or communing with their subconscious mind and ask like, how, I mean, do you think there's a, people will find the book if they need it, if they're open to it, or do you feel like it's. Well, I, yes, I, I gave it to the world and those who need me find me and um, not this last Thanksgiving, but the Thanksgiving before I, I was, it was the morning of, and I was getting things together. I cook, I, I cook, I love to cook. And so I was, um, <clears throat> I was getting everything ready to, for a day of cooking and family and sharing. And um, I got an email from a guy mm-hmm. solicited and it said, 
I'm on my fifth month of chemo holiday. My doctor says I'm an outlier. He can't explain it. And I owe it all to you because I read your book. Mm -hmm. And that made it all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. My son saw my son, who's about to be 18. Um, he saw a five-star review by a woman who bought the book for her mother who had breast cancer mm -hmm. and was very grateful and gushed over it. And he saw the five-star review and he screenshotted it and he texted it to me. And I said, I'm pretty cool, huh? If one person is better than because they read my book, then the whole cancer was worth it. Yes. Yeah, it's truly an act of service. So those who need it, find it. I don't push myself on anyone. Mm -hmm. People hear my story, they read my book, or they know of my book, and they, they refer to their friends to me, people they know. And like it's really it was really hard in the beginning mm -hmm. to have someone to have someone who's got rectal cancer and they're bleeding frequently. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, I can help. And they say, no, I'm right. Yeah. I'm like, are you, are you uh -huh. sure? Are you sure? If money's a problem, I'll do it pro bono. No, I'm right. Are you just going to write it out? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same experience. I have, and I I have a a free a couple of them actually free hypnosis for like before cancer surgery preparing specifically. And I do pre I do pre surgery post surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I horrible. I and it is it is downloaded a lot, and I but occasionally if a, I made it originally because a friend was diagnosed with breast cancer and she wanted it, and I said absolutely, I'll make you one. And then I had another friend who had a, a melanoma and she loved it. And so I did another one and I put it out there for free for people who want it. But it is interesting sometimes when I offer it to someone and they say, no, that's okay. I'm not into that. It's like, all right. I, you know, part of me assumes they're going to find their own path. Like well, if, if yeah. they're ready to, to do this path, if they feel like it's really going to be helpful to them, they will dive into it. If not, they'll find a different path. Well, cancer is a message. And if you don't hear it, you get reassigned. I mean, that's just, it's that simple. What do you, I, what's I, reassigned? Well, think about it. You know, you transition to the other side. Oh, reassigned. Okay, got it. Yeah. And you <laughs> okay, come back it. to learn. I was like, reassigned to, to what? I mean, sometimes people get a different type of cancer if they don't listen, yeah. right? Or it's I, Well, that's true. But uh, they, ultimately, they'll be reassigned because they have to come back and learn the lesson that they're not learning it's a there's a lesson i what i learned from my cancer is that every time i find myself in my next embarrassing question situation uh -huh. i just look up to to the divine and say let me learn this quickly <laughs> that's a good statement yes let me learn this quickly yeah right yes because, so I, can get, I can get on to the next lesson it's a series of lessons we come here it's a very dense frequency here on earth. I don't think emotion exists in anywhere else in the universe and souls come here to learn lessons. And if, if we, if we, when we learn one, we elevate to the next level of lessons. Yes. And if, if we stay stuck in the same lesson, then we get reassigned and we come back to learn that lesson until we do learn it. So, so it was really hard. I had dreams of a clinic and, you know, 
a nonprofit and raising money. And mm-hmm. I just, it, it wore me down. So instead I have worked really hard at building my practice. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I have 30 appointments this week mm-hmm. and uh, I love what I do. And uh, one in 500 people, I have some weirdness with, you know, the, because you can't, you can't get along with, you can't help everyone. There yeah. Yeah. I can right. usually, yeah, I can usually, that's why I do a free consultation mm-hmm. just to establish that there's rapport uh, initially. And, um, and, but that one out of 500 always brings me down a little bit because I want to help everybody, but then I, that's my lesson, right? Okay. Yes. Can't, you can't help everyone. So you just, um, and the, I, it's just cause there's fresh. Cause I had that one in 500 recently. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Cause I just talked to a, a doctor who's a, a sleep specialist last week. And so he's looking for someone who does, um, CBTI, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And I'm certified in that. And uh-huh. I typically combine it with hypnosis, but he did ask me like, how successful are you? And I said, well, very like 95% successful. I mean, CBTI, it's not rocket science here. <laughs> it's actually yeah. pretty easy, but I said, but occasionally I, I have a case that I'm not successful with and um, where, you know, it just doesn't work for them or they try everything or we do this and yeah. It it happens to everybody, well, I think. Well, resistance. I mean, I, I I'm really good at, at at recognizing resistance, and and when you call people on it, most of the time they're like, "Oh, I had no idea." Some people they're just their hackles come up, you know, and uh, and the case in point here is like she was very argumentative and confrontational, and then projected all of that on me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just give her her whole money back and be done and whatnot. But, you know, the, so the CBT is, um, it's really important. What I find is I'm not, I'm not a licensed psychologist, but Mm -hmm. I studied it intensively. And so what I do is just teach people about the triangle. Oh yeah. I don't don't try and do this, the cognitive behavioral therapy, but, but I teach them the triangle and I, I, you know, I do the white elephant visualization and then change it to a pink panther. And when they realize how quickly they can change their thoughts, it empowers them. Oh, yes, it does. Absolutely, it does. I wish it was taught more widely, you know, in life skills in school. Um, because, people, you know, I routinely hear, well, I can't help how I feel. I'm like, yeah, you can. Yeah. You know, so, you know what, don't not feel it. Feel it. Let me. Okay, that makes you angry. Allow yourself to feel the anger for a moment. Okay, now move on to the feeling that you want to have. And I teach, I teach people the uh, Reader's Digest version of the Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love is your birthright. It resides in your heart center. The opposite is fear. In any moment you can choose. <laughs> right. Yes. In any, in any moment you can choose love or fear. It's your choice. Mm-hmm. And love gives rise to all positive emotions. It's God energy. Uh, and, and fear gives rise to all negative emotions. So in any moment, and then I throw in, then I throw in the um, uh, Dr. Frankel's space between stimulus and response. And, you know, you get to choose you do. what kind of human being you show up as. You can yes. show up with your power and, and show up lovingly. And that doesn't mean you're a doormat. You know, it, it means that 
you show up with love. You just bring, I, I haven't come up with an icon image or a picture that represents love and then just bring it into their heart space mm-hmm. and to train themselves to do it 40 times a day because they have to re- untrain themselves from having that fear response. We're triggered fears all around us right now. And it's really, really bad, but um, it's but true, I, I teach, but it's yeah. interesting to see the variations on that, how, and often it's very clear someone living in just absolute fear all the time versus someone who feels absolute peace on the other side. And then, I mean, it's been like a, I don't know. um, It's sort of like a a fun room with all those mirrors going on. It's like, you see every single variation from fear to peace. And it has been really interesting. Well, some, some resist the fear, uh, you know, and, and there are, gradations of people's ability to resist the fear you know it's 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 real like i've just come to a place where i recognize the patterns Mm -hmm. you know if they fall under the short choppy breathing you know and i teach them about the autonomic nervous system Mm -hmm. and so it's i do a lot of coaching yeah i mean i i think people sometimes have the misconception of hypnotherapy that there's not going to be a lot of talking and it's actually, it's a lot of talking and a lot of education and coaching and working with your thoughts and looking at them and saying, all right, how are we changing these? And then the hypnosis, obviously you can do lots of different things with hypnosis in terms of reprogramming Yeah. or going back to where did these originate from and let's rewrite those beliefs. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the first half is the cognitive conversation. And mm-hmm. then the second half is the, is the trance work. And so in, I, I'm, I'm doing the triangle in the cognitive portion and connecting dots. I do a deep yeah. dive into their history, mm-hmm. their family structures and their childhood. And it's fertile ground to understand where these things originated. Yes. And when I, when I connect the, th- the same thing that made me a really good policy analyst and lobbyist makes me a good hypnotherapist because I, I connect dots. You know, I was taught mm-hmm. and what I see when people come to me, who've been to other hypnotherapists and therapists generally mm-hmm. and doctors generally, they treat symptomatically. Yes. And if you don't, if you don't do a deeper dive and go for cause you're playing whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. I think when someone's ready to go deeper, we go deeper and they will often show up and do that. If someone wants to just treat the symptoms, I'm willing to do that, but I do give the caution. Well, let's see what happens. This may be the only level you need and that's okay. Or if you want to go to a deeper level, it comes back. Or if it comes back, we go to the deeper level. I mean, for some people, myself, I'd prefer to just go deep. Let's just knock this out. (laughs) Like, let's go there first. But I do recognize that some people are not really ready for that. They do want the, um, the uh, more surface level. Yeah, I know. But I, you know what, I see that as resistance. And so I, I'm a little firm, I try and push them past their comfort level. Uh I'm not for everyone, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so Um, so, and the, and the right people find us, right. It is true. Yes. Our style is, and, but I'm very upfront. So I'm seeing a lot of teens right now. Ooh. I'm seeing a lot of teens and, uh, um, you know, it's been a very trying couple of years and I've got, I've got some collegiate athletes who Mm -hmm. 
who were stars at the statewide level in high school and now are having really weird, unexplained fall down and vomit 30 yards from the finish line in the track star or can't, can't uh, do the, you know, on the diving board, Mm -hmm. there's an arm routine that you, you know, you do the, your face backwards and you you do this arm routine before you launch and like freezing and can't doing the, the arm routine, which is the initiation of the dive. Right. Yes. I mean, these are just a couple of examples and they're seeing sports therapists and everything, but not getting any better. And so like, um, just go in deep. So what I, what I've found is that even with young people, um, the first session I do is an introduction because their conscious mind is going to hover. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I let them feel it and experience it. And I don't try and do too much in that first session, kind of a flyover of the goals that we hope to achieve and a visualization of achieving it, you know, months out, feel it in your body as if you already have it now. And then I, um, in the second session, I regress to childhood mm-hmm. and uh, trigger thoughts of their childhood home and, you know, then ask them to go to between three and eight years old and just kind of, uh, you know, see what was going on and when the, these problems might have started and, you know, how are you feeling? And, you know, and then I connect them with that inner child, right? And so, and then and the third one is kind of cathartic. I take them into what we call the garden of life mm-hmm. and I have them rake up all the dead old leaves of things that have hurt them or people that have hurt them or things they don't like about themselves and to rake it up into a big pile and light it on fire. And then, and then, um, and then we plant some new seeds. And so beautiful. That, Love that, that kind of system, that kind of systematic groundwork opens the door then to begin to freestyle into whatever, wherever they want to go. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I really love that. So could you tell us what is your second book about the mastermind master life? Well, it's the book I wanted to write first, except I had to get the cathartic thing out of me. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I had to get the cancer thing out of me. Right. And it was, it was kind of, it was kind of a complete that's the full circle. So the second book, Mastermind Master Life, is about hypnosis and the subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. What is hypnosis? What's the history of it? What science say about it? And how can you apply it in your life? Mm, okay. Yeah. There's so many misconceptions. People have seen television, Las Vegas shows, and you know, it's and, yeah. you know, the writers in Hollywood and television, it's fertile ground, right? They mm-hmm. always take license and they take a little bit of like the teacup and get out right she tinkled the teacup and he went to the sunken sunken place like well you know (laughs) yeah it it doesn't quite work that way but they took a little bit of you know suggestibility framework and and ran with it right so yeah so um so it, it was important to me after having talked to thousands to give a resource out there that was approachable. It's only, it's just 120 pages. It's, it's written for the person who needs some science, but not so much science that bores them. Mm-hmm. The, the history of hypnosis, but not so much. That it bores you know, them. <laughs> exactly. And, right. and how can you, how can you apply it mm-hmm. at the end, which is, you know, meaningful. Like these are the, these are where the areas that it works great. And I point them to Google scholar mm-hmm. where they can go and pull up, there, there is tons and tons of research. There is there on is. pain, on cancer, on IBS. Yes, I, I, I have IBS and other, you know, autoimmune. Mm-hmm. I've done, some, I've done some awesome. I'm so proud of myself. If I may toot my own horn on the work I've done with autoimmune, 
fibromyalgia, nine years, tried yes. everything. Doctors just gave pain pills. In six sessions, we lifted it and she got her life back. And I see her now on social media, you know, living a full life. And I just, mm-hmm. it pleases me to no end that, you know, after the third session and we lifted, we lifted it. I had to do an arm stiffening and let go, you know, and mm-hmm. all of these traumatic things. And then, and then I gave her two weeks to kind of process. And then I, I pinged her and said, you know, you're ready for the next session. She goes, yeah. I'm like, what would you like to work on? And I held my breath and she texted back motivation. I've been depressed for so long. I don't know how to get my butt out of bed. I'm like, you know, <laughs> yeah, good. So she was over the autoimmune pain mm-hmm. and she needed motivation to get up out of bed and go to attack the world. And so I'm like, yes, this is the kind of stuff that lights me up. It does. Absolutely. Yes. I've had cases like that as well. And you, it does feel so good to be able to help someone on that level where it's like they, they have a hard time working and they're incapacitated sometimes. And it's like, they can get their life back, which feels amazing. Yeah. And they don't know why. Yes. Right. It is so fascinating to me. You know, before I was a hypnotherapist, I I think there was a part of me that assumed that parents were pretty much responsible for everything. As you can imagine, like a clinical psychologist training, (laughs) right? Pretty common belief. But after I began doing hypnosis and going deeper and looking at all these events that sometimes contribute to these subconscious beliefs that then we gather evidence for and form someone's life and cause health conditions and all kinds of stuff, I realized like it's not just parents, it's all kinds of stuff that happens to people, traumatic well, things that maybe yeah. even they didn't consider traumatic at the time. I know. I tell people it could be, you don't have to see someone die in front of you. It could be a bitter disappointment. Oh yeah. Yeah. It could be a, a mean teacher, you know, like, yeah. or another yeah. kid who's yeah. really just being a kid at the time, but it affected them. It made me feel very good as a parent to tell you the truth. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, was like, I okay, know. I am not responsible for everything here. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a big responsibility being a parent, but it's, it is. it's, it's not every family structure is important. Uh, birth order is important. It is. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but, the, but the events, you know, that like, it's always so funny. I had this one, I had this one young man, he's in his, his early twenties and he was fixated on having had a psychedelic experience in high school mm-hmm. and, and he was so wrecked with guilt guilt and because he didn't, he, what? He, he'd done it several times and then he had a bad trip. Oh, he told his parents and he, and he was feeling, it was really the anxiety that he had over his parents. They fought terribly and they finally divorced and he was an only child and mm-hmm. he saw and heard a lot. Mm-hmm. I said, what, what is it about that experience that, that stands out? And, and he couldn't articulate it. I said, well, you know, we have bad experiences all the time. Um, and he couldn't articulate why that one was particularly bad. I said, you're picking one tree in the forest and fixating on it right now. Let's dive deeper and find out what. And it turns out he was constantly in fight or flight. Uh-huh. Again, I, I bring me people back to, the, to an understanding of their autonomic nervous system and homeostasis. I teach them about the subconscious mind's desire Mm -hmm. for a psychological homeostasis, right? You don't have to keep learning how to ride a bike. Right. You don't have to keep learning how to uh, shift a stick shift. You learn it and you give athletes and top performers and musicians, they give it to the subconscious mind. They practice, 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 and then they go into a zone. It's it's very trance-like when they perform. And so when you can have this experience that is traumatic, 
and you create a, a response, a defense mechanism, a, a response to it, a behavioral response, that event is long gone. The person may even be dead. Mm-hmm. And you're still guarding against this. It's never going to happen again. So you have this maladaptive behavior <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that was created for this one-time situation, but it's like controlling your life. Quote Dr. Joe Dispenza, mm-hmm. you know, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts every day and 90% of them are the same as they were yesterday. And if I ask you, well, why do you do that? And you say, well, 10 years ago, this happened. Mm-hmm. You don't remember the details correctly. In fact, you would recount it probably incorrectly. What you remember is how it made you feel. Yeah. You had an experience that created a feeling that was imprinted in your body. Yes. And so now you're guarding against this uh, and you are stuck in this behavior when it's not even the way you remember it. So you're living, you're living from a, an unreliable past that's creating this predictable future that's robbing you of your precious present moment. Yeah. When you explain it that way to them, it's it's unlike in anything they've been told before, and they begin to see their patterns. Mm-hmm. That's how change yeah. happens. Yeah. Well, this has been a beautiful conversation and we are coming to the end of our time. Could you please let people know how to find you? Yeah, I'm my my name is my brand. I'm normanplotkin.com. N-O-R-M-A-N-P-L-O-T-K-I-N.com. I also have uh, mastermindmasterlife.com, mm-hmm. which is um, where I offer some things, you know, the normanplotkin.com is strictly my hypnotherapy practice and all things hypnotherapy. Mastermind, Master Life. I have some other offerings like coaching and writing coaching and even tarot. I study tarot under a psychologist who's written five books on tarot and psychology. Wonderful. We didn't even talk about tarot. That's wonderful. It's very Jungian and, you know, the the unconscious gateway and the archetypes and stuff. So uh, perhaps another episode, but um, yes, yeah, those are my websites. So I do hypnotherapy both in person and by Zoom. I've I've done hypnotherapy with people all over the world. And I also on Saturday nights at 730 Pacific, I lead uh, virtual group meditations by Zoom. And right now we're working on uh, meditations and the meridians Uh, work with the acupuncturist. We're going through an explanation and lecture on the meridians, and then I lead a meditation afterwards. Oh, fantastic. I love it. Yeah, very cool. All right. So both of those links will be in the show notes for listeners. And again, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure interviewing you. Oh, likewise. Thank you for the opportunity. truly enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. 
Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.